Hello and welcome to What a Picture, a movie podcast where we go through the sight and sound greatest films of all time, critics poll week by week, and discuss what makes a great film great. I am Brian. I'm Hannah. But Brian, that's not what we're doing today. What are we doing today? Today, we are taking a look back. We have gotten through half of the top 100. That would be 50 movies for you math experts. Yes. And so we thought it'd be a good chance to take a look back and discuss some of our favorites and how we've found this process to be so far. Um, I did have one thing that I wanted to uh, talk about before we even get into sight and sound stuff, though, Hannah. Okay. Um, Because a lot of critics are releasing their year end lists for 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not fancy people, and so we don't get screeners. And so, yet, uh, yet. N- yes. one day, and, yeah, maybe we also don't live in a place that gets uh limited release uh theatrical showings, so and that's not going to change, yeah. no, yeah. So, we really have to wait for wide releases. So, there are still some things we need to catch up with. We are planning on doing a best of 2023 pod when we've gotten a chance to see a handful more movies but uh as i was looking through some of the lists there were some surprises here and one of them we watched last night are you there god it's me margaret has been showing up on a lot of lists um which is so funny to me so i like obviously wanted to see that for more for my childhood whimsy um i mean brian is like, wait, is this? I <laughs> would you say this morning or yet last night when we started it? Like, oh, yeah, I thought What's this, this was... again. <laughs> is this current? <laughs> I knew it was based on a book. I thought the book was released in like the past five years. Because, oh, yeah, he was like, yeah. didn't you read that book for your book club? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so very little familiarity with, with the book or subject matter or whatever. But, um, yeah, it's been appearing on a lot of lists. I liked it. I was a little surprised to see it on the list. And after having seen it, I'm still a little surprised. I feel like it's a it's an aspirational pick. Critics want movies to be like this. Um, and if it had been released like 15 years ago, when a lot of these types of movies were being made, I don't feel like it would be on nearly as many critics lists. And then also there, it it did not do particularly well at the box office. So there's a little bit of like a reclamation thing that's going on with with some critics. So well, a movie with a big heart, you know. Exactly. Um, so I liked yeah, the movie, I, but I, I like it was it was know. exactly what I thought it was going to be. Like I thought it was going to be well acted, well produced, well made. Like <clears throat> nothing on the cheap side. Um, but just it, it was exactly what I thought it would be. And I thought it was lovely. I thought it was like a very charming um, picture of adolescence. I thought I appreciated it wasn't. It it was very respectful of like young bodies and um, young actors and, and not asking them to do things that are inappropriate. And I'm always very like wary of. Yeah, what child actors are asked to do. So I, I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was exactly what I wanted it mm-hmm. to be. But I also was surprised that it, it has such high acclaim. I mean, for what it is, it's lovely, and I, yeah, I, I loved it. But 
And I think part of that is like the age uh, that it's set at is a little more by necessity tame in terms of subject matter than like coming of age, like late high school would be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I thought it was appropriate for the material uh, in those choices. The other one that's been on a lot of lists, including at number one on a couple of lists that I've seen is a movie called Showing Up that I saw in theaters one night while you were doing something else, Hannah. Yeah, Um, It's a um, movie from a director, Kelly Reichardt, um, Mm -hmm. who's an independent director who's been working for about two decades now. And... Yeah, I was surprised to see it on list. I thought it was good. It wasn't as acclaimed as her previous feature, First Cow, when it first came out. Um, But I think part of what's going on here as well is it had a really bungled release where it premiered at a festival last year, actually. But then the studio held on to it and sort of like dumped it in like March or April. And so I think a lot of critics didn't take kindly to that being done to a film that they liked. And so maybe are trying to get more people to see this movie by including it on their list. It also has Michelle Williams in it, which I feel like is just like makes critics salivate. Mm-hmm. Just, and the thing with Michelle Williams is like, oh, this is we got to We got to really watch this. Not that yeah. she's not lovely, but mm-hmm. she has that effect on people. Yeah, and I think that was potentially part of the reason for it being bumped to the next year because Fablemans was so buzzy and she, I believe, got an Oscar nomination for that performance. And so I think it was sort of like a clear the way sort of thing for her performance in Fablemans and the awards chances and such. But, you know, sometimes if you get two movies in the same year by the same actor or actress, that actually bolsters their awards contention odds so i don't really understand what happened there but yeah also andre 3000's in it that's fun mm-hmm. yeah on the poster he's, movie. yeah, yeah. He, he, well on the poster he's andre benjamin like his his mm-hmm. acting name is a uh, but still love that for him um cool any yeah, other so movies i'm, I'm excited to uh to make our own year-end list All the other ones were sort of uh, what I expected. So a lot of them we've seen already, you know, Killers of the Flower Moon obviously did well. Oppenheimer did well. I saw Barbie on a couple lists, but not as many as I would have liked. Um, The Past Lives. Yeah. The ones that I feel like Past Lives did well, yes. Um, and got a bunch of Golden Globe nominations, which is very encouraging because it's not like a traditionally Globesy movie. But the Globes are trying to be a little bit more like actually uh, in line with what critics think instead of like uh, uh, Globesy, I guess. <laughs> um, globes gonna Globes. So. But I and I sort of liked that the Globes were like their own thing and rewarded fun in some ways. Um, but um, it probably is for the best that the Globes are changing. Um, movies that we need to catch up with still. So I've got now that we've seen Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. I've got like five must watches before 
we do our 2023 rankings. Okay. And those are the holdovers, poor things, the zone of interest, anatomy of a fall, and maestro. All right, um, let's go. Let's do it. So I think those are the ones that that I want to catch up with before we rank, and then um, provided availability for zone of interest and anatomy of the fall because those are uh, international and. We live in a smaller city where they might not be available, sadly. Um, and we would never yeah. stream a movie illegally. The other two that... Never. I, never. Stream a movie. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> especially, well, especially like a small movie. Yeah. That has so, still way more money than we do, but mm-hmm. still. Yeah. The other two that I'm really interested in, but aren't like essentials before we do that episode would be All of Us Strangers and American Fiction. Um, So definitely want to catch those. Is that the sequel to Pulp Fiction? No, but that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, Jeffrey Wright is the lead in that film. And I love Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. Hear that? Jeffrey Wright, he's been in some like Wes Anderson stuff. Um, he, goodness, I, I bet what he's like. I've just been like scrolling through well. IMDb while you talk about all these movies. It's so fun. Yeah, there's a guy in that one movie, that, the Michelle Williams movie, that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that one? Who is um, showing up? Yeah, showing up. Who plays the husband in past lives? Uh, so fun. Yeah, John Magaro. Okay, Jeffrey yeah. Wright. Oh yeah, he okay, did Hunger Games stuff. Dispatch. He was Commissioner Dash. Gordon in the last Batman. I am Groot. Rustin. Asteroid City. Okay, cool. I still don't feel like I recognize him, but I. Yeah. Still love He's that. He's getting him. a lot of acclaim for this performance, so I'm really excited about it. Well, he just looks like a nice, handsome man, so that sounds like fun for him. Yeah. Um. Anyway, this is really not on the topic of what we were supposed to talk about today. No. Um. The topic for today is sort of our personal top five from the top fifty list, and so we've painstakingly compiled for me it felt like cutting off limbs to get down to five for yeah uh, i did it at the last minute because i couldn't i i that that's my coping technique just like put it off put it off put it off mm -hmm. yeah i had i had my top three for sure and then right now my list is i have five with a list of seven honorable mentions that i couldn't (laughs) include in the five yeah sure I've got, I think, 18 total five-star <laughs> movies out of this 50. I do rank all of my movies on Letterboxd just as a way to sort of categorize and say, like, these are my favorites. These are not so much my favorites. And that is a very high percentage. Um, well, this is the me. list I of the best 100 be films sort of across selective. the world, across all of history. So Yeah. So that to say, I think they've done a good job uh, in selecting films. You know, I'm not going to agree with everything. There's personal taste, of course. So, And I do have, you know, 
I've got more than a hundred five star movies, and not all the movies on the list are five stars. So it's not a complete overlap, but I feel like they've done a really good job. Yeah, they have catered their list to Brian's taste <laughs> in a way that makes sense. Yeah, and it might even be shaping my taste in a way. Well, sure. Watching through these movies and finding things to respond to and reading about I think that's the point of a project like this, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we both going into this had seen much less than half of the films. Um, Mm -hmm. There are a lot of countries from which I have never seen a film um, or not memorably. So I think that's an exercise that 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 broadens kind of your definition of what good film is um mm-hmm. will hopefully change your taste in film unless you're just unbelievably arrogant or stubborn to you know i mean i i already know like i was actually listening back to some of our earlier episodes um mm-hmm and I already think about movies a little bit differently not completely differently there's still i mean yeah. i'm still the same person but I definitely, I think the biggest thing I've learned so far is that it's okay to not get it. And sometimes the point Mm -hmm. of a movie isn't to get it. And that was, that's been a hard thing to like consistently be okay with. It is. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a different approach than the way that we have been taught to consume media. You know, we've we both yeah. grew up at around the same time, and I feel like the the media that we grew up with is very much not that. Well, I think I should. I mean, I think it's more of that's just comfortable. Like, mm-hmm. the, I think that's why a movie like Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, which is well acted and well made, but also very straightforward, and the themes that it wrestles with are things that are very universal and very charming. I mean, I don't want to call it struggle charming, but like adolescence, you know, like early adolescence, being 12 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so much of media and film and and art, you know, that appeals to the masses is, is safer or more tame in that way. And I think that's totally fine. Like, I love a well-made, straightforward film. I'm not changing what I love. I'm just more expanding to be more open Mm -hmm. um, to different different types of messaging or different ways that it could be be shared. Um, I think also just, like, the things I am more excited to talk about or critique after a movie have changed. Hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, so, I'll I'm I I I I'll pay more attention to how light is used or how cameras move, like more of the mechanics, the film mechanics that I just yeah was like Brian, you talk about that because I have nothing to say. Um, I might not have anything to say, which is fine, but I'll find that like I do notice it more. I do notice um mm-hmm. like the dolly work that we just watched in Contempt. I noticed yeah. that before you said anything. I was like, oh, hey, totally. I care about that. And so I I'm, I could have lived my whole life like not caring about that or kind of more experiencing the end result yeah. without appreciating the process that got me to get there. Um, I'm <laughs> sure any cinematographer would be like, thank you, about time. But <laughs> um, I'm also... 
I don't know. I, I, it's, it's, it makes the experience more enjoyable for me. I don't think it's necessary that everybody has to do that. And I don't think everyone has to like mm -hmm. watch through a list like this to get to a point to appreciate that. But just for my experience, yeah. um, mm -hmm. I'm appreciating those things more. Yeah. I think the biggest sort of dovetailing off what you said, the biggest thing for me has been letting go of expectations of what a movie ought to be and just approaching everything on its own terms. Mm. Um, so a movie doesn't have to have bravura performances or great camera work or really interesting use of color like any of those elements can create a great film and can be something that you sort of latch on to but just sort of taking everything as it is and finding the things in it that make it great rather than coming to it with expectations of this is what a movie ought to be even not coming to it with the expectations of like this needs to entertain me <laughs> right which yeah is is something that we've talked about on a couple of these episodes and that's been a mindset shift for me um with some of the slow cinema stuff um <laughs> so not coming to it more from a place of like let's take this on its own terms and just like experience what the filmmaker wants you to experience rather than um you know, coming to it expecting a typical movie, you know? Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. I mean, I don't know. It's, you don't have to like every movie on this list. I don't like every movie on this list. Um, you don't mm -hmm. have to like a movie because it's great. You don't have to think it's great because people with more credentials also think it's great. Um, mm -hmm. And you don't have to think it's great because you don't get it. And you're like, we talked about in our first episode, like an emperor's new clothes kind of thing of like, well, oh, gosh, if Roger Ebert, who is the first movie critic that came to my mind, I'm sure there's yeah. more. <laughs> but, you know, or if Brian says it's really good, I don't have to also think it's good. I'm not stupid for not thinking it's good. I'm not stupid for not resonating with the story. Um, mm -hmm. But also me getting it or me liking it might not be one, the most important thing, or two, what the creator, the director intended with that film. You know, the point, yeah. it, and I, I don't know, I think that's been cool too, to be able to step back from story a little bit um, and just like sit in it and experience it. I don't know. I, it, this project has just like, made art even more open-ended um mm -hmm. of like the purpose it's created for or why it's created and what it is intending to do and what my role is in all of that um not my specifically but just the, the role as the person who who you know takes in the film after completion um yeah. and i think the answer is there is no answer like you can like something you could not like something you could have a movie on your top five brian that i hannah think is dumb and didn't like um mm -hmm. which is what happened here yeah. um, i can't believe you put that on your <laughs> yeah. top five i think my dislike of it made you like it more you little stubborn but um but mm -hmm. yeah i mean i'm i 
yeah, I'm interested to see kind of at movie 100 where we're at. And if you make me do Totally. a top 10, you will make me do a top 10. I already know you. Um, I'm interested to see if my five from today won't Yeah. be on my top 10. But Well, maybe also, we since could I do did... another top five of the last 50. Would that be less overwhelming? I mean, we could do that. It's fine. Yeah. What's going to happen is I'm going to 15 minutes before the podcast finally sit down and make my list, which Yeah. means I'm absolutely operating on vibes. Like, I don't know if this this five is what I would have done yesterday. I don't know if it's what I would do a week from now. I'm very, That's I'm very, totally fine. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a gut person. My gut's usually right. So, and my gut is filled with delicious sourdough right now. So I'm like warm and cozy and just want to talk about singing in the rain. Um, All right. Well, let's get into Sure, let's our top do it. five then. Yeah. Why Okay. don't you go first? These are presented not in any particular order. Yes, these are in no order, and there are going to be so many caveats. Don't make a drinking game out of all of my caveats. You will be shammered by the time this is over. Yeah. And we'll do Um. honorable mentions at the end, I think. Yeah. Well, yes. No, I just mean like, I. Okay, so I'm gonna. This is hard to do, obviously. Like, taking a list of 50, even if you didn't like 10, taking a list of 40 and putting it down to 5 is hard. Um, Because it's not the best movies, it's my favorite movies. And then what does favorite mean? Does favorite mean I had the biggest reaction to? Does favorite mean it's a comfort watch? Does favorite mean um, it's the one I understood the most? Does favorite mean it's the one I enjoyed talking about the most? Yeah. Um, which is what... experiences with one of my honorable mentions just like that it was the conversation around it that is why i loved it so much it's the way it made me think and feel and that's those are all like great reasons to put something on your list Totally. um and i also wanted to like not do five old hollywood movies like Yeah. i wanted to have Yeah. a little bit of just push it I, yeah so With that said, I'm going to do my first one, which is Singing in the Rain. It was Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I know I said a lot of that, 
50 episodes ago. <laughs> yeah. And it stands up. I so I I think it's another reason I really wanted this one to be on the list is because you know we we talked about just 10 minutes ago like I I do feel like my the way I view movies hasn't changed but it has expanded and even in light of like where I feel like my personal growth has been in this process I still think singing in the rain um is like top tier like I I I still have no notes for this film yeah absolutely I also love this movie um the um music in it obviously really stands out as you know some of the best musical numbers and performances ever put to film um the really two standout performances from donald o'connor and debbie reynolds really uh you know gene kelly is is great of course as a he's always a great man but yeah <laughs> he's just sort of reliable leading man fills that role so that they can do just like wild fun stuff on the side and so that's really what stands out to me about this and it gets sort of weird in places like that broadway musical stretch of things <laughs> is i mean it's it, a lynchian it, yeah it it's very uh i mean it's a big set piece but it's also strange in way so yeah it it definitely is you know a comfort movie it's entertaining lovely yeah i i really love this movie as well yeah no notes all right well we'll jump into my list here i think first to maybe to pair with yours we could talk about the apartment okay all right so this is also old hollywood more comedic i wanted to have something um on my list that was maybe more of a comedy than a drama because almost all of the five-star movies on on my list are primarily dramatic but the apartment really stood out in having both comedic and dramatic elements um having a lot to say about something that's very important um in you know the way that men treat their mistresses at this time um and doing so in a in a nuanced way and in a way that subverted my expectations for the movie in a way that i found delightful so that one uh really stood out as one of the best uh, first viewing experiences that I had uh, for for ones on this list, but also feels like a, a very rewatchable movie and something that I will be revisiting and coming back to and really enjoying for years to come. Absolutely. I might as well honorable mention that I prefer some like it hot to yeah. the apartment. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know they're both great yeah mm -hmm. totally yeah the some like it hot is very like straight comedic elements and the Mm -hmm. apartment is this weird mixture that i really i really liked when it hopped back and forth but some like it hot has and maybe even is funnier probably than the apartment (laughs) well i think they both do 
comedy really well. Like, mm-hmm. because to be able to be consistently funny for a whole movie, like Somebody Get Hot, is really hard. And to be able to go in and out of comedy to like non cheesy kind of morality discussion back into comedy seamlessly is also really hard. Um, and I think both of those things are done very well in both of those movies. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. All what's right. Uh, your next one? <laughs> Let's see. What do I want to talk about next? Okay. So I, again, in no particular order, um, I would like to talk about In the Mood for Love. Mm. So um, this is Wong Kar Wai, 2000 Taiwan. Um, just a really, uh, really beautiful, heartbreaking love story. I love a beautiful, heartbreaking love story. I mean, I prefer a non-heartbreaking love story, but mm-hmm. um, I thought that this one was refined and elegant. Um, I thought that these weren't big, like overly emotional, not that that doesn't have a place, but these weren't huge performances. This was mm-hmm. um, very reserved, very proper, but you the way that it showed these um, vulnerabilities and insecurities, the way that like intimacy was built between these characters that never were together. I mean, if you remember, it was the husband and wife find out that their spouses are cheating with the other person's spouse. And so, and then they kind of create a friendship and a one that got away type romance. Um, Mm And it was just, I mean, beautiful. Just the whole, the way, the, the way that they use like this vibrant, but somehow still muted colors. Mm-hmm. There was so much like, like Chinese jade and, and then that, the, that red, deep red that's everywhere. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um. Also, everybody is beautiful. <laughs> One of the yeah. most fully realized worlds. Yeah. Of the movies that we've seen. Yeah. For sure. Really phenomenal. Uh, just, uh, you know, mood is in the title, and that's key to mm. <laughs> the movie. Mm-hmm. The movie is a mood, you know, it's um, in some places. Yeah, I, I was struck watching it how the plot is moved along by like one sentence cues, and yeah. so a lot of the focus of the runtime is on atmosphere visuals uh, contrasting the beauty of its two movie stars with like the grungy nature of, you know, Hong Kong. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I also love that movie. Yes. Can I completely go out of order and talk about my third movie? Because I'm just now realizing the, very lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> of similarities between in the mood for love and portrait of a lady on fire totally yeah um and yeah okay i have a type of movie apparently that i love um mm-hmm. this also is a love story that will never be um if y'all recall there's a uh, a female painter who comes to paint a portrait of a woman who's betrothed to someone who lives in another country so the portrait's kind of like here's a pic of this hottie you're going to marry um and they they fall in love and know that their love has an expiration date um because you know 
well, one, they're both women in mm-hmm. old times, you know, yeah. and one of them is betrothed to someone else. Um, and this, too, is just like a, you know, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But also the way the visuals in this one were phenomenally beautiful. They were... Yeah. They had this way of creating brightness out of earth tones. Um, And and the visuals, the way, you know, when you finally get the girl to turn around for the first time. Mm -hmm. And again, another cast of just like phenomenally beautiful people. Um, And also just a story about like. Sometimes the biggest relationships, the things that you like that have such a huge impact on you are not relationships that like you are physically able to be a part of forever. They have Mm -hmm. a finite amount of time and they affect you in a way. And what does it look like to kind of exist after knowing one of your greatest loves? Um, So Portrait of Lady on Fire is 20, what, 19? No, what year was that, Brian? Yeah, 2019, I believe. Yeah, 2019, uh, French movie, mm-hmm. also really beautiful. So I didn't mean to jump out of order. I was just look. I was thinking about which one I wanted to do next and why I wanted to do, and I realized, wow, these two are very, very similar. Um, Absolutely, yeah, but not totally not makes sense. Not redundant. Like they mm-hmm. both are really important to have existed and don't cancel each other out even though there's just a lot of similarities if anything it's like they make each other in my heart more powerful Mm -hmm. that they both can exist and kind of share this type of love story um yeah in a way where it's like that's sad but i don't want it different yeah Mm -hmm. okay you can go yeah (laughs) all right uh two to sort of pair with those for different reasons would be tropical malady so this is the one on my list that you do not like hannah correct mm-hmm. yeah uh-huh. Uh-huh. so i feel like you need to go back to listen to, to the episode because you weren't super negative on it at the time of watching <laughs> i feel like it's been reflective you the first part you enjoyed the second part you did not well if yeah I'm recalling correctly oh yeah so tropical malady the first part is somewhat of a love story it's more traditional um it just is sort of this like beautiful playful thing for a while and then the second part is weird um it's definitely slow cinema has this very meditative quality to it um there's danger but it's very dreamlike some really striking visuals and it's tough for me to put into words how why i respond so much to well i wanted to represent this type of of filmmaking the slow cinema filmmaking because i've really you know since yeah and john dealman was almost my pick but because it's at number one i feel like enough people are checking it out i wanted to do some potentially underrepresented or if i'm gonna give recommendations like i want them to maybe be movies that people haven't checked out yet or or uh or things that you know 
I can I can shine a little bit of a light on that I really loved. So um, the way that these two parts resonate with each other is really hard for me to put into words why I love it so much. One being a little bit more traditional and narrative, one being really weird and dreamlike. Um, it feels like they're almost commenting on each other and I don't know why they fit together, but they do. Um, so yeah, this is one that's really stuck with me. And as I was painstakingly trying to get from like nine movies down to five, I just felt like, man, this one in particular is, is one that I really, you know, is the the beauty of it and I think it might be that I can't explain why I love it so much that that makes me want to you know you love a challenge you know yeah it definitely was it it's a challenging movie it's something that's trying to do something different than you know almost anything that I've seen and I really uh really responded to it for that reason all right okay all right um I'll do my number three as well, which is going to be Ali Fear Eats the Soul. Um, oh. You know, the I, I adore this movie. I also, you know, a lot of these love stories on the sight and sound list are loves that can never be. Um, like you mentioned, Within the Mood for Love and Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Casablanca is also that way. And so having one where... I was going to be very uh, unhappy with the movie if they didn't end up together at the end of it, uh, just because of what the movie was trying to do throughout. Not that I don't respond to that as a choice in general, um, but I really liked having a movie about ordinary people and a romance that can... Uh, happened like the the tenderness and sweetness of it while not necessarily featuring people who get highlighted in movies often these are not you know beautiful movie stars necessarily but they find each other beautiful and so that's something that I really loved um they're the the performances here are really phenomenal um the script writing is really phenomenal. Fastbender started out uh, really writing plays. And so you can see that a lot of care has been taken with the writing of this thing. But it also does not feel like a play the way that it's visually presented. It, you know, it doesn't take place in, in one room. It isn't super static. Um, and so, yeah, really love that movie as well. Yeah, absolutely. That one was wonderful. Um, okay. All right. Okay. Um, all right. Keeping it German. I want to talk about my next one, which is um, M. Mm, this was yeah. one of my hardest cuts. Yeah. I'm really glad we get a chance to talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Fritz Long, 1930 something. Um, 1931. 1931, which it's funny because I feel like the crispness of the quality makes it feel like it's later than that, but it's in, it is in Absolutely. black and white. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so if you recall, this is about they're trying to like hunt down a uh, child serial killer. Of course, serial killer wasn't a mm -hmm. 
wasn't a in the uh, vernacular. Topic. Vernacular, yeah, did not ex- existed obviously, but it, the uh, that assignment did not. Um, anyway, what I loved about this movie was a lot of things. Um, I think this a movie that lets the viewer be omniscient in a way. Yeah. So, like, you know, we're we're one watching the manhunt for the killer. Um, and then we're also watching um we know who the killer is pretty early on. So we're watching him go about his day and we're watching the manhunt close in on him. And I think that that is to give the audience so much information, but you're still on the edge of your seat. Um is kind of hard to do. So I, I really like how it plays with with how and when we as the audience learn something. Um, I also love, like, it's got a heist movie feel. It's got a, an organized crime ring. Um, the movie values the opinions and an existence of our unhoused neighbors. Um, and the the courtroom scene at the end with the screaming and the pleading that you mm-hmm. never actually learn what happens to the murderer after he's caught is he put to death or not and mm-hmm. that that you you kind of know that that doesn't really matter what happens to him because it doesn't bring back the children he murdered it's just mm-hmm. like this movie just is 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 just big thing to think about after big thing to think about um mm-hmm. It's acted well. It's beautiful. Beautiful. The whistling is terrifying. The use of shadow as an as like a uh, 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 I don't know, scary thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I I <laughs> I don't know. I um I I really really loved this movie. It yes. it made you want to scream like a lot. Of, don't go in there. Like I yeah. yeah. I wonderful. So good. It's really so, you know, this is a handful of years after sound design has sort of been implemented. Silent films uh, are transitioning away from silent film. And the use of sound is so, so impressive for that Mm -hmm. time. Um, You're sort of bombarded. It's a very sensory experience. You're bombarded with visuals, sounds. It's really a spectacle movie and really a masterclass in how to do spectacle well um, because it's a sensational topic. It's really going for it in a lot of ways, but every single choice and every single set piece is really phenomenally done. So I also really love this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Number two here, let me go, well, not really ranked, but my uh, my fourth movie would be A Man Escaped. I wanted to put this on because I feel like it represented something that um, the technical excellence that maybe the, the other ones on the list um, didn't... Uh, I don't know, just the way that this is shot and it's very painterly, You, the way that you see process in this movie 
and the way the things that it chooses to be interested in in the story and not interested in in the story is very um was was really sort of a revelation to me i actually didn't start with this list on my top five and sort of moved it up as i thought more about it and what it represented actually i I started with it sort of down the list because there are other Robert Brisson films that I like more than it. And so I was sort of like, yeah, man escaped, you know, there are others that I like more. So it probably isn't going to be on, on my top five here, but um, so I don't know what I'd do if those other Brisson films were, uh, were on the, well, in 50 movies, we can, well, I'll make you rank them at the end. I'll do it. All right. Sounds good. Well, um yeah you bring yeah. this one up a lot i mm-hmm. um yeah i'm glad it's i'm glad it's on your list yeah it's yeah i would have guessed it would be yeah it um just yeah it's excluding certain things to focus on other things and there are many movies on the the uh sight and sound list that do that we've talked about that sort of as a theme in this it was like it doesn't highlight this thing because it's focusing on that thing instead mm-hmm. um and this movie is really empress on throughout his career really does that particularly with performances he doesn't like to cast well-known actors he hires non-professionals he even you know is known for calling them models instead of actors and yeah so you know maybe not great from a interpersonal perspective but (laughs) the the thing that it ends up doing and I think this is sort of misunderstood but the thing that it does for me is because the performances aren't giving you much they're not you know they're they're meant to be naturalistic um when someone would normally get loud the the actor does get a little louder but you know perhaps it's it's a little more muted or it's not like there's nothing that would make you say whoa that's a great performance um Mm -hmm. he's reacting in a way to sort of the theatricality of particularly stage actors um, and trying to get away from that. What that ends up doing for me is it allows the viewer to start thinking about how you would react in those situations. So the performance isn't telling you how someone would feel. You have to provide that yourself. And to me, that makes, you know, it it almost places me in that prison and thinking about, mm. like, what would it feel like to be imprisoned here? Or what steps would I go through? How would I feel if, you know, this young boy was placed in the cell with me before I was about to escape and I had to make a choice between killing this young German boy or roping him into my escape plan like what what decision would i make you're not given that from the performance um you get the slightest bit of narration about it but it makes you make those decisions essentially and that's what i really like about it yeah makes sense it's yeah it's a good movie i i i i think i went into it being like am i gonna be bored um 
because you know i i love world war ii stuff mm -hmm. um i <laughs> so the american version of this is the great escape have you seen that um i have not it's like steve mcqueen um mm -hmm. james gardner it's about like <clears throat> group of american soldiers who escape a nazi prison camp um mm -hmm. and it's like so patriotic and it's so charming and you know the mm -hmm. everybody's handsome and they figure it out through teamwork and hijinks and being handsome um mm -hmm. and so it's just like a funny american like <laughs> it, the the american counterpart to this movie so i mm -hmm. um but i also i really liked a man escaped as well um it would be it's one of those where it's like objectively i think it's top mm -hmm. five top ten you know objectively mm -hmm. yeah. um from my experience with it it's not and that has nothing bad to say about it just other movies affected me more but yeah um, i thought it, i thought it was really really well done really beautiful kind of i think it did a really good job at highlighting like the um monotony of what he had to do like scraping the hole in the door yeah without being like a slow cinema boring yeah it isn't slow cinema yeah. it's visual process oriented type of filmmaking that and there's there are choices like the narration that you mm -hmm. wouldn't think of as minimalist, but it is really it's it's somewhat minimalist filmmaking, but not slow. Right. Right. Or just there's in theory, there's nothing objectively wrong with slow cinema. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, M is <laughs> is maximalist filmmaking that I really mm -hmm. respond to yeah. as well. And so that goes back to the point of like a movie doesn't have to be anything a take it on its own terms let it make the choices it wants to make and respond to the take that take it as it is speaking of a great choices situation mm. i'd like to talk about my fifth movie i think it's gonna come as no shock <laughs> 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 that, <clears throat> let me just get ready for this <clears throat> um I actually did need to clear my throat, but I, I lengthened it out for dramatic effect. Uh, speaking of dramatic effect, my fifth movie is Goodfellas. Mm. I I love this movie. I love this movie. Brian, you mentioned something about like how you might want to put Goodfellas on, but like Goodfellas been, has been talked about a lot. And like, yeah, your list is very much a, you know, like, a oh, let's pull this out. This is a fun one. Not that it's not a true list, but mine... Mm -hmm. I really followed my heart. I tried to expand it a little bit to be like, let's only have two movies that are English speaking that I went into yeah. already seeing. Um, and But Goodfellas. Goodfellas is the answer. I love this movie. I love the visuals. I love the acting. I love the narration. I love the just like the music, the chaoticness of it, the descent into madness the the um his story and how like he wants better and but his way of getting better isn't better because he doesn't actually have any examples of what is better mm -hmm. and i 
Lorraine Bracco. Like I the, there, I mm-hmm. this movie is like definition no notes. Like I have nothing wrong with this movie. I think it is phenomenally acted. I think it will continue to stand the test of time. I can't wait till our kids are old enough to be able to be for us to show them this movie without it being considered child abuse. I, yeah. I mean, like, I, it's so funny because, you know, on this list was also The Godfather, which I feel like is like your Criterion Channel collection list of best movie of the mob, you know, like it, it, which it's a great movie. It's, there's nothing that can be left out. It's absolutely beautiful. Goodfellas is all of those things, but way more fun. And I think mm-hmm. it, um, something that we've talked about this podcast that I disagree with, but um, the the Fight Club effect of like, does move making a movie about the mob glorify the mob? No, yeah. this movie yeah. doesn't do that at all. It 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 shows the heightened intensity of crime and drugs and all of that and then it also shows the severe fall of it in a way that's so like big and um but doesn't feel hyperbolic it feels like yeah these are high stakes i mm, i love this movie yeah so that's the answer it's good absolutely yeah uh 100 a very hard omission for me i ended up taking it off like you said because I felt just like Goodfellas doesn't need my support. Like most people have probably already seen it or know that they need to see it. But absolutely, if I'm going like personal top five of the movies we've watched so far, it deserves to be on there. Just yeah. Uh, also, you knew I was going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that did help to know that I was going to do it. So you wouldn't have to like give it one of your slots. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Great movie. Great movie. Um, So my number one, I'm I'm sure you could guess it, Hannah, but Persona is uh, my number one. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the thing that this does that stood out to me is something that I really enjoy is some of the experimentation that's going on here. It's playing with experimental cinema with the the sequence at the beginning and there's another sequence towards the midpoint of the movie that's very experimental different shots not narrative um but just sort of creepy stuff um (laughs) and that you get this monologue two times from two different perspectives the um performances throughout are fantastic some really arresting visuals i don't know it just is uh, i i can't put into words you know why i i like this movie so much but it's just uh really stunning yeah and now you see persona shots everywhere you do. What was yeah. the movie where we saw you shouted well, out Persona? May, De- May December. May December. Yeah. Mirror sequence that's very much in conversation. Um, and what's so. funny about it is like I, every time you see something that's a Persona shot, it's not a coincidence. Yeah. But like no filmmaker is going to not know the importance of doing a Persona shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Yeah. yeah, you almost can't do a movie about two women in relationship now without <laughs> it being a commentary or persona being a reference point, you know. Yeah. It's yeah, it's definitional for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, so good. All but right. Brian looks like the meme of uh Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, hey, where's the shot? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Hannah, I think I can guess a few of your honorable mentions here. So, okay, I would guess Daisies would be on there. Um, yeah, yes, okay. It's mm-hmm. more of I knew we didn't have. I mean, I guess Persona kind of fills that category, but we had no French or Czech New Wave. Yeah, on their list. And I really struggled because as a whole, I really responded to most of the movies in that genre. Mm-hmm. I mean, with The 400 Blows, um, uh, Pierre LeFou, Cleo from 5 to 7, even Contempt. Like, I, and then Daisy's being from the Czech New Wave, which, you know, but yep. that, that 60s, 70s type of um, mm-hmm. uh, stuff coming out of France. I, I really liked most of those, but nothing, no specific movie like stuck out enough for me to be on my top five. Um, But I do want to just talk about the French New Wave. Yeah. (laughs) And why I'm I'm really hoping in the second half of this list, there's going to be one that just like blows me out of the water and absolutely is because I love commentary on relationships, commentary on gender roles, um, the bright with which it's filmed the coming of age type of um progression whether it's it's a true coming of age like adolescence into adulthood where it's you know just early adulthood whatever um so daisies i think daisies and cleo from five to seven were probably my favorite in the new wave um but not it just wasn't enough to get on my list but yes daisies was one of mine yeah Um, the other one, Casablanca certainly is on your honorable mentions. That also is is on my honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, Other honorable mentions that you want to shout out. Yeah. Um, this one might be a little more shocking. Um, Night of the Hunter. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. I think, um, so if y'all recall, that was, uh, American about the the creepy guy who pretends to be the pastor with love and hate tattooed on his hands. That just like really stuck with me. Um the particularly just the the religious manipulation. Um that's a really scary theme. That's a horror movie for me. Um totally. and his performance was terrifying. So maybe I'm just like still dealing with the trauma from seeing it. It wasn't going to be on my list, but it when I was going through everything, I kept like kind of stopping there and thinking about it more and getting creeped out again. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was one on my list. What about you? Yeah. So I excluded for different reasons. So I only wanted to have one slow cinema on my list for, for example. So Tropical Malady won uh that over for, what? For a couple of reasons. So the other two 
that I've got ranked as five stars are Satan Tango and Jean Dealman. Um, okay. All right. And Jean Dealman almost made it on because it was my first. Uh, we watched it very early in this process, and it was my first experience with slow cinema and really struck me as like, wow, this is like engaging with its audience in a completely different way than anything I've seen before. Right. Um, but since it's number one on the list, people already know that they need to check it out was sort of my <laughs> my thought process. I'm surprised. There. I'm surprised you didn't put um Parasite on yours. Oh, it's definitely so some of the recent <laughs> ones. Um yeah. uh Get Out, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Parasite. I all I have all of those as five stars. Okay. And um it was tough leaving them off. I don't think like a a more recent movie shouldn't be considered. I I think that that argument is is not solid, but um, because more people perhaps have have seen them, then uh, I felt like they didn't need to be on my list. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, yeah, don't don't let other mm-hmm. podcasts do too much of the heavy yeah. lifting, though. If you Same rationale it, for Casablanca, Goodfellas, The Godfather. I, you know, um, love those movies. People already they're already either watched or on people's watch lists. I feel like right. That's fair. I think that was kind of my thing with between Singing in the Rain and, and Casablanca, which like mm-hmm. you can only have one one old Hollywood. Um, another thing notably absent from both of our lists are um, we don't have any David Lynch. Yeah, we didn't put on Mulholland Drive or Blue Velvet, and I think that's okay. Um, but just just notable absence. It is, yeah. I actually have like five to seven david lynch films that are like 4.5 star movies to me i don't mm. think i have a single one at five stars for whatever reason mm, okay. i might need to rewatch a couple and probably one will uh will rise but yeah i've got just a little bit of distance for whatever reason from lynch okay um another one i'd like to talk about is my neighbor totoro mm, um yes I think because there's nothing remotely like it on the list, it's really hard to like put it in. Um, hmm. and I, yeah. I don't know how to explain that. I, I mean, I love this movie. This is a huge part of my childhood. Miyazaki in general, Brian, I just saw boy in the heron. It's phenomenal. Um, just want to talk about my neighbor Totoro or really just say yeah. it, say, I love this movie. It was hard to leave off. Yeah. Um, what else? Anything else for you? Yeah, three more that were in the tough omission, but ultimately didn't end up loving quite as much as my five. Um, but still, people really ought to check out and their masterpieces. I think mm-hmm. uh, Rashomon. I didn't have quite as much fun revisiting Rashomon as I did watching it the first time. I think part of the unfolding nature of the plot and particularly the surprise when the medium shows up and gets the dead guy's perspective uh <laughs> it was really fun the first time around um i still really love that movie uh close up um i really l- just how did that movie get made <laughs> how yeah. does that thing exist <laughs> so it's good. so interesting 
And then Passion of Joan of Arc is phenomenal. And I did sort of want to put a silent film on there. And so I struggled with that, but just ultimately didn't have space for it. Yeah, we were talking about Passion of Joan of Arc. I feel like that was the movie where I enjoyed watching it. And probably like between before recording the podcast and talking about it to after recording the podcast, I my love for it grew so much. The discussion about it, like the things it made me think about in regards to like fate mm. and faith. Yeah. Um it, it had a a really great effect on me. Um and I think so and that's that's not to be discounted. Like how we experience a movie. Um, there's so many movies on this list we're post talking about it. I like it more. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that says about like how much I like to hear myself talk or um, I just I am a verbal processor. So working mm-hmm. through some of the things I've experienced by talking about them. Um, yeah. Helps me understand it more and just kind of like sit with it longer. So mm-hmm. Passion of Joan of Arc. Um, I thought was really beautiful for that reason. Absolutely. I've really enjoyed talking through all of these movies on the podcast with you. I feel like it also increases my appreciation for them and understanding of them. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's been really fun. That's been another, I think, change with this going through this process and then also some of my uh, other film related activities this year of engaging more on social media with people on on film and uh just being more part of the discussion is how engaging with others about things you responded to didn't respond to can increase your appreciation for a work of art has been really fun certainly um yeah i and i think that's I mean, if I were a filmmaker, I would mm-hmm. kind of want that to be the case. I would totally. want my my film or my art to create not necessarily like deep conversation because my themes are so like complex and you have to understand them. But as cheesy as it sounds, like I would want my art to bring people together. I would want it to be something that like makes you think and makes you want to like connect with people around you. Um, whether that's around like understanding it or being angry about it or being happy about it, but just to like create conversation to help people challenge the way that they think, to help people broaden what their understanding of what is true or not is. Mm-hmm. Um what is true or not is or whatever. Um I, I would want people to not make proper English with how they talk because, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm just so complex. Um, but yeah, I it's it's a fun exercise. Um, all right, last one, Brian, that you left off is Bicycle Thieves. Yeah, so Bicycle Thieves is great. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's our least listened to episode for whatever reason. Go well, more important than listening to our episode on Bicycle Thieves, go watch Bicycle Thieves if you haven't, because it's phenomenal. Ultimately, it feels a little bit more minor of a work than perhaps some of these. And that might be my bias with just neorealism and somewhat simple stories being told. I do think it's thematically very rich and strong. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that'd be why uh why I left it off yeah I'll, I just think what's interesting is um so for me you know I, I going into this podcast I had not seen a ton of the movies um but two of the movies I had seen being singing in the rain and goodfellas I loved and this podcast mm-hmm. makes me love them even more and they're yeah. still in my top five for you two movies that you were really excited to show me were Rashomon and Bicycle Thieves. Yeah. And they're not on your top five. You still love them. But Persona is. Yeah. Persona, oh, that's fair. Persona is. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. And that was another one I was really excited to show you. Yeah. That's fair. I just think it's it's interesting how I stick my heels in and stubbornly declare that I was right all along. <laughs> <laughs> and you, yeah. more with more humility and grace, um, mm-hmm. Say you appreciate them and still love them, but are willing to let other things in. So I think that is all I want to say about that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I did try to adjust slightly for, you know, when I rewatch something that I really love, I love it even more, you know, so I did try to adjust in my five for, you know, if I've only seen something once, I'd probably love it more if I revisit it. Uh, and so I tried to bump it up a little bit in my estimation because of that, but. That's fair. I I know I'm looking at my other three of Portrait of a Lady on Fire and The Mood for Love and M, and I probably love them more on second viewing. But you know me, I'll watch the same movie over and over and over and over and over again because it becomes a comfort thing. Something about like anticipating what comes next and not being surprised Mm -hmm. is comfortable. I don't know. I think it kind of relates to like a need, a feeling of control, and that just like is comfortable. Okay, let's not yeah. let's not get deep into that because I could talk about that for another hour and a half. <laughs> Woo! Um. Anyway, this has been fun. Yeah, really fantastic. Uh, I like talking through sort of the big picture of things because we're so in the nitty gritty from episode to episode. So it's fun yeah. to sort of look back on on this whole process. You know, this has been a fun year, twenty twenty three. Fantastic. Um, yeah. What are we? What do we have to look forward to in twenty twenty four, Brian? Our first movie for next year, and I was so glad we we ended up bumping it to number 51 instead of 50. It would have been a real tough omission for me as well from my top five. Rear Window is going to be our next movie. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, so Hitchcock, it is currently on the Criterion channel for at least the next month or so. So you can go check it out there as part of their Hitchcock for the Holidays collection. And we will be watching that and talking about it. I'm super pumped. It's probably my favorite Hitchcock movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so there's three on the list. We've already done uh, Psycho, which... Four on the list, actually. Yeah. What's, what's the fourth you got one? North by Northwest. Oh, uh, I always forget yeah. about North by Northwest. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Uh, I also just want to shout out that the Criterion Collection has a uh, Parker Posey. Um, yeah. Which we might need to do some of that. Yeah, I'm up for it. <laughs> Including her uh, phenomenal, unquestionably phenomenal performance in Josie and the Pussycats. Mm, yes, Josie and the Pussycats. Is another one of my, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, let's see. So we've got Party Girl, Day Trippers, Suburbia, Clock Watchers, Henry Fool, The House of Yes. Anniversary mm-hmm. party, Josie and the Pussycats, 
Personal Velocity, Faye Grimm, Broken English, and Ned Rifle. Mm, interesting. I have seen Party Girl. It's really great. Would Did I see Party Girl one. with you? Don't think so. Why didn't I see Party Girl with you? I don't know. Um, it's very good, though. I'd rewatch with you. And yeah. she's also great in Days and Confused. Yeah. And in um, Kicking and Screaming. Um, so yeah, Parker Posey, phenomenal. Parker Posey, what a, what a queen. Anyway, that was a tangent. I just saw that last night and I forgot to tell you about it, Brian. So now I'm going to tell everybody. Sounds great. Um, so this has been what a picture. Uh, you guys can go watch all 50 movies and send us your top five. Um, you can send those to Brian on his yeah. various social media platforms of Blue Sky and Twitter slash X and Leatherboxed. Yeah. We really you- need, so I, I've got, I and several people that I uh, am online friends with are primarily on Blue Sky and Letterbox these days, but the problem with that is there's no direct messaging feature on either of those, and mm. so we have to sort of resort to going back to the dead wasteland of X for that, and so mm. just would like a direct messaging feature on one of those apps, please. Oh, I'm sure Blue Sky is listening to us right now and they will. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Mayhaps we should have a weather picture email account. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. That's that's on my webmaster, aka Brian's plate. So we'll see <laughs> if that happens. Yeah, I've just used <laughs> He's my in-house tech my, uh... guy. He's my in-house barista. <laughs> um, I've been using my personal email for uh, communication with guests and such, but I should probably make a podcast email so that our audience can email us as well. That might be fun. That's fair. Um, you can also find me via flu powder. Ooh. Just throw it in the fire and then shout what a picture at your fire and then your top five movies and then we'll catalog <laughs> them for you. If if your top five movies are acceptable to us, you will find Hannah. Yeah. Ironically, Portrait of a Lady on Fire doesn't work if you shot it through flu powder, though. So I don't know what oh. to tell you. Yeah. yeah. Or The Passion of Joan of Arc. Mm. Anytime there's a fire. Yeah. Ooh, is that too... Is that... Uh, in poor taste. <laughs> Yikes. I was gonna say is I was gonna say is that too soon, but it's been like five hundred <laughs> years. I don't think it's too soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What else has a big fire? Let's see. Uh some like it hot, but that fire is just Marilyn Monroe being hot. Mm-hmm. You know? There's a fire and get out. Yeah. Uh it's a fire in apocalypse now. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking of Boy and the Heron and the way that that uses fire. Goodness. Oh, oh so yeah. We, uh, we were guests on the Movie Friends podcast to talk about Boy and the Heron. So if you'd like to hear our thoughts on that, you can go over to our friends at the Movie Friends podcast and listen to the episode there. Uh, I will link to that in the show notes as well. Cool. Okay. Now we're just kind of running out the clock we love you happy new year it's been a great year i'm assuming this is our last episode of the year brian yeah yeah okay cool so we will see you in 2024 peace and blessings to you in your holiday season um go watch some movies absolutely and um uh bye yeah bye